say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole. Get we found. ready. It's time again to venture down the rabbit hole into the world of cybersecurity. You're plugged into the podcast for security leaders and practitioners with a business sense. Prepare for unique interviews, insights, and practical advice that makes your job just a bit easier. And now, please welcome your guides on this adventure, James Jardine, the catalyst, Michael Santarcangelo, and the White Rabbit, Rafalos. All right, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast. This is Raf sitting in with James. James, how are you? I'm great. You know, we've finally, even though we're pre-recording, we've finally hit 2017. So it's exciting. Yeah, um, all the rumors and, and vicious, uh, vicious rumors are true. We we, we are in 2017. Um, you know, every year brings optimism, and you know, people get excited about what's to come. Uh, I suspect that at the end of this podcast, we might temper that just a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, did your kids get a lot of uh, electronics for Christmas, James? Uh, you know, they're uh, five and six, so they didn't get a whole lot of electronics. Now, <laughs> no, yeah, mine mine got a couple of interesting things. Nothing with IP addresses yet. Actually, that's not true. Uh, they got these. I can't think of the names of them now. They're like little tablets meant for toddlers and uh, like four and up, three and up, or something. Um, I can't think of the names of them right now, but uh, uh, they do have internet-capable tablets, which kind of worries me just maybe a little bit, but, you know, uh, that's uh, what we're going to talk about today, and let's roll right into that podcast. So, got two really cool guests, um, guys uh, that are fairly well-known across the Twitter sphere. They are Twitter famous, uh, and uh, one of them's uh, on the show for a second time, which I'm, I'm convinced he's trying to be podcast famous. Jameson, hey, buddy. Hey, Ref, how are you doing? I thought I'd start that intro for you. You can go ahead and tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm Jamison Utter. Uh, as Raf said, I tweet a lot. I'm the VP of Field Operations for Sinrio. What we do is focus in uh, IoT space uh, security monitoring. But I'm a super enthusiast for security. Um, I do a lot around ransomware and kind of what I would call bleeding edge malware or experimental malware. That's things people are working on in the dark web. Yeah, we so that's kind of my passion. On. Yeah, we had you on a little while ago talking about things that are uh, that were how to build your own ran- uh, malware. Uh, you kind of freak people out, dude. <laughs> well, I wasn't hoping to freak them out. I was hoping to educate them. So you did. That was one of our. That was uh, oddly enough one of my uh, one of uh, at least to date. That's one of the most downloaded episodes. So um, the only way to make this show better is by adding uh, uh, this gentleman, Stephen. How are you, buddy? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, glad you got your uh, computer stuff fixed. <laughs> well, it's not fixed yet, but it's uh, do- doable enough, workable enough to get well, in contact listen, with you guys. That that 25-pound sledgehammer does miracles, man. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, I, my name is Stephen Ridley. Um, I work with Jameson at Sinrio. I'm the CTO, uh, founder of, of Sinrio. Um, you said uh, Jameson scared people. He's constantly scaring me also with... Uh, <laughs> With his knowledge about kind of the uh, digital underworld and, um, and and malware and stuff like that, and it's really great to to work with folks like him at Sinrio. We have a really great team. Um, so Jameson kind of already told you what we as a company do. We have kind of a next generation IoT security product. Um, but I came. Um, I've been in the industry for ten plus years. I worked um, briefly in the intelligence community um, as yeah, at a defense contractor and. Uh, I was really focused on reverse engineering and exploitation, um, and I've uh, worked at McAfee and uh, Matasano Security, which was a security boutique and based in New York. Um, so I've been all around in security. Um, I've co-authored um, the Android Hacker's Handbook and another upcoming uh, book from uh, No Starch Press. So, you, so I've you been actually, around for... Yeah, you actually are kind of famous, so as opposed to Jameson, who's internet famous. <laughs> No, Jameson's famous and infamous. That's the that's the difference. <laughs> this, I remember a line from the Three Amigos: "Infamous." That's more than famous, right? For, for yeah. those of you listening that are at least thirty, and uh, if you if you're not, then you won't get that joke. And go watch Three Amigos; it's amazing. 
<laughs> it's a good movie, yep. All right, well, hey, it's a uh, longtime fan. Great having you on the show. It's um, I have followed you on Twitter for uh, an embarrassingly long time. Uh, wow. Good to good to have you on board. And so let's dive into it. Uh, you know, I, I kind of alluded to my kids got some internet connected stuff for Christmas. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one who gave their kids stuff that had that gets IP addresses. People bought smart TVs and. Um, smart internet connected uh, coffee makers and all sorts of gadgetry, including house cleaning robots and other fun things. So, uh, so what's the big deal? Well, um, maybe I'll let Jameson start with that one. We kind of, um, I know he's got uh, got a, quite a few thoughts on some of these uh, new consumer devices and whatnot. He uses quite a few of them, actually. Yeah, I actually have a pretty. We won't call it a smart home. Let's just call it an IP-enabled home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a big um, fan of the digital future of the the promise of the IoT, um, but I'm also kind of a luddite, so it's a funny dichotomy for me. Um, yeah. I think I think the big fear is that a lot of makers of these new devices we transitioned from this world where previously, if I bought a calculator, it was an ASIC and it could only ever be a calculator. No circuitry allowed me to really change its function or to carry other software to do other functions and other Wait things. Wait a second now. Hold on. I, I, I could play video games in, on my TI-85 back in high school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I, but those things were still built into the firmware, right? They yeah, were not necessary, you know, right? They were not programmable. And right. today the calculator you buy is really a computer that has a software application that's a calculator. Right. right. It's a yeah. it's a different metaphor. It's really more like having a desktop in your pocket. And now scale that to your light bulbs. Right. So uh, I have a lot of IP enabled devices in the house that are what I would call uh, kind of shim devices or add ons. They're not built in They're to help your home transition to a smart home. Right. So it's not a smart socket. It's a socket that plugs into your socket and then you plug your device into that or that sort of thing. Right. Those devices are computers. Right. That's the real uh kind of new metaphor. That yeah. thing that allows us to do that connection isn't just some magic little bridge that bridges IP. It's actually a fully fledged operating system with its own storage and memory, yet minus a lot of the controls that we could put on traditional operating systems around security. Yep. Well, so, I mean, we, what we saw was, I mean, Netgear is still struggling with the issue they had. Uh, it's Netgear, right? That's, that's still struggling with the router issue for their... Uh, uh, internet, you know, routers, um, home routers. And we talked about this a couple of shows ago where essentially these these devices, if they're not built to be uh, automatically, automagically upgradable, updatable when security bugs are discovered, then what ends up happening is we it, getting the user to update, getting the message to them is almost impossible in, in any reasonable way. So, I mean... And and what two years ago we heard from uh, what James? Did we talk about this on a podcast like two years ago, maybe maybe less, maybe more. Uh, where Schlage had the uh, internet enabled home locks, which we thought was a fantastic idea. Yeah, I remember talking about those. I think. So guys, yeah, uh, all this stuff freaks me the hell out because, uh, it, it, yeah, it's a mini computer. Uh, oddly enough, probably running either you know um, a, a direct port of Android uh, on some of them, or just some version of Linux because it's cheap and free, um, as in air not beer. And so, <sighs> talk me through some of the uh, surface because there's a story that's going on right now in the news uh, that I want to get to. But let's let's talk through like the average you know family that just bought a bunch of stuff. You know, they have the option to connect Barbie to the internet, um, connect their smart TV to update it, right? Because we, we bought, you know, uh, we didn't, but my uh, my in-laws bought a, uh, a smart TV and they were so thrilled about this. Uh, and then I read that story about the, the, the person who updated their TV and um, basically hacked themselves, got themselves hacked. Uh, let's talk through this because there's a lot going on here. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll start a little bit. I know Jameson has some thoughts on it, but um, yeah, we, we actually, so the company Sinrio was, um, you know, we were a product focused company, um, but we came from uh, 
a um, a services company called Exhibitor, and at Exhibitor we um, we did the usual security boutique stuff like you know web app assessments, um, reverse engineering, source code audits, and that kind of stuff. But we really kind of had a niche as a um, uh, embedded device and, and mobile security services company. So we would do you know web app uh, or sorry mobile app uh, penetration tests, reverse engineering. We would look at IoT devices. We took some of that in-house expertise too, and we spun it off and made some courses that were, you know, have been selling out at Black Hat for five years now. So um, we kind of have this a reputation for for looking at this stuff. And over the few, you know, over those years, we uh, we did a lot of private work that we can't talk about, but we also did some public work. Um, and one of the best examples I think of um, us having uh, done this. Uh, and kind of the new, <laughs> the brave new world we live in with all these connected devices, is that uh, in 2014, the summer of 2014, we, we had two interns join um, our old services company, Exhibitor, um, and we kind of sat them down and we thought, well, you know, it might just be easy to put them through our trainings um, as like a way to ramp up on kind of what we do and and for a way for them to kind of have fun in you know in a structured way um, and kind of progress through uh, the different. You know exercises and stuff as they gradually get dif- more difficult throughout the the, the courses, and um, so there was a Mohini and Ben. Um, one was a grad student, one was a undergrad, and they um, had done no security work previously. And so um, we gave we sat them down, we put them through our courses for about two weeks, had them shadow us on one or two small contracts, and then um, we gave them a budget of uh, twenty five hundred bucks to buy whatever they wanted on the internet so they went on amazon um they went on craigslist um you know uh, alibaba all these places and bought um uh, iot devices they even in one case bought um, an old atm uh, off of craigslist and then they tried and then the idea was that you know use what you've learned in the courses and you know you know over the last few weeks to try to hack these devices we'll leave you alone we'll give you free access to the lab and all the equipment if you get stuck we'll help you um and what we discovered is by the end of the summer that these two interns had compromised 90% of the devices they purchased. This included the number one IoT home controller on Amazon. They had also, uh, in the cases of the ATM, where it wasn't like, it was a really old ATM that wasn't um, heavily internet connected, but they were able to pull uh, the memory out and do uh, memory forensics and extract card numbers that had been stored in the device. So, like, this was a huge aha moment for us as a company because we got a really small case study on, you know, the, the very small amount of skill that it takes to compromise these devices. Well, yeah, I mean, these, these aren't complicated systems. I think it was um, just recently I saw a post about, uh, I forget who it was, it was on Twitter, uh, one of the one of the guys uh, over uh, here in the U.S. Maybe it was Ross McCree, posted about a an a, a sick ATM air quotes that was throwing DOS errors. He's like, yeah, I think I should call support. <clears throat> and I, I sort of wonder, you know, some of these old devices out there um, are are definitely you know landmines waiting for people to step on. But the new stuff isn't altogether that much better, is it? I mean, I, I haven't seen like the equivalent of a of a revolution where hey starting january 1st everything you buy for your connected home and connected lives will have security built in it's still a race of function over security and i'm a little worried about are we getting the right balance uh and not even you know are we i don't even want to use the r word because i don't think many security people understand the word risk but uh are we getting the right balance and between function and safety, um, you know, forget forget security for a second. Let's just let's fall back to safety. Are we are we yeah. getting are we getting closer to achieving balance, guys? Uh, yes and no. Um, yeah. uh, so if you don't mind, Stephen, I, I'd like to this because this, no, yeah. this hinges on what I think is actually wrong with the industry around IoT, Raf. Um, so in the home consumer world, it's a different realm than, than industry. Industry is very similar to what you just said. Uh, uh, business leaders are racing to embrace IoT projects in businesses to uh, uh, enable a faster, smarter production line, better logistics, better consumer feedback, right? Like, you know, Tesla, I, I won't go into it, but 
poster child for IoT in the vehicle and how to use that to make a better car, a better experience, safer, all that stuff. That's true in enterprise, racing to get that yeah. into place, right? Yep. What's not true though, Raf, is that as security professionals, we're all saying no. Yeah. It's all, we can't secure it, we don't understand it. It connects in millions of places. No, 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 no. And your CEO is telling you, I don't care, I'm doing it, right? Well, hold, hold on. <laughs> Okay, now that I'm, I'm gonna I apologize for for gruffly jumping in here, but that frankly annoys me because we have been fighting to be not the department of no for like 15 years. I've been <laughs> yeah. ever since I, I can remember. I've been bashing new people in this industry's heads with the bat of please stop saying no, offer alternatives, help yeah. find the right answer with the right balance. But if we're saying no, no, no. The bus is coming. You're going to be the moron waving your hands, right, as it passes squish right over you. <laughs> yep. I completely agree. And, and, and I see a resurgence of that, of the no attitude around IoT. It's not no in general anymore. But now it's a we're going to – well, we don't deal with IoT. We sanction it off into another network. And, and Stephen and I are actually seeing this in enterprises, right? We, we bay-landed off into a special segment. We – uh, don't allow it into our enterprise. We don't yes, do this. Yes, because, because, VLANs, because VLANs are a security mechanism, not a networking one, right? Right. You can't have right. VLANs. Oh, wait. Right. They're, they're still saying no. They're still saying no, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think that's the first hurdle we have to get over is as security professionals, we have to embrace that the connected world, the digital future, this IoT world is the fact. There is no going around it. There is no backing up. Manufacturers are not fixing it. There's no magic bullet. We have to make do, and we have to do our best with what is coming in the future, yeah. not denying or restricting. If, if I could piggyback off of that a little bit, I think um, one important thing to think, you know, we, we think of IoT as kind of this separate thing, but one of the things Jameson just hinted on um, that I'd like to kind of uh, unpack a little bit more, too, is that, you know, it's not just IoT that's the driver, it's also IoT is actually married to big data, right? A lot of the a lot of the stuff that we're starting to see, specifically in industry, is using sensor data to figure out how to, like Jameson said, optimize factory operations, optimize logistics. That is fundamentally a big data problem. But the way that you get the high resolution metrics is with IoT enabled devices, the sensors in the field collecting the data. If it's a if it's a farm, for example, you need that. You know, that uh, moisture sensor to tell you how uh, how moist the soil is or the pH or if it's logistics, like Jameson said, like on a shipping container, that's a sensor. Like how often is the container getting jarred? All that data, all that metrics is reported back to a central node. And then there's big data analytics that are run on it. And then at business petabytes, right? Huge. Yeah, scale. yeah. Yeah. Huge scales of data. Um, and so what we really see is that this inertia that IoT has is not just because of what Jameson said, the evolution of ASICs to SOCs, where the technology is getting better, faster, and cheaper um, to, to be able to provide you know, these almost disposable sensors now, right? They're so cheap. Um, but also this big data analytics that's going along with it. You know, we have the IoT sensors out in the field, but the big data is really what's pushing and driving industry to say, oh, yeah, we want to get that data, right? We, we have the ability to... Uh, to import this data and figure out how we can use it to make uh, make more money or save money, you know. Uh, so, so since we don't have six hours to, to to record this show, because we could literally go industry by industry and talk about yeah. wearables, <laughs> implantables, uh, yeah. you know, sensors in in the automotive, in the industrial, in the uh, energy sector, all these different places. But let's start with this. So let's let's look at. The invasion um, of well, we we continue to call it the consumerization of IT, but but as people go back to work, you know, in, in uh, early part of the year after after they you know get their Christmas presents and some they bought themselves, some they got from people, right? They inevitably bring new gadgets with them. Uh, I now have a, 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 a Fitbit on my wrist that uh, reminds me once an hour that I sit sit around too much and stare at my screen too much, which which basically just shames me into getting up and walking around, which is awesome, I guess. Um, but uh, it's collecting data at a, probably a massive rate because I just look at 
the amount you know the the dashboard tool shows me and it can get very granular like when i dude this thing monitors your sleep minute by minute that's terrifying <laughs> yeah it should be the opposite though man like that's the key uh the it future is awesome. that we right it's awesome right the power of what we have at our hands the future that is that has been foretold to us by the jetsons right is at <laughs> yeah. our fingertips it's right there yeah. right and, and yes, there's some spookiness as the, the action, the ability for people to act upon those devices and do ugly things. Obviously, I'm the one who knows a lot about the ugly world. Yeah. But I'm really optimistic about this world yeah. we could live in. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I, I share that sentiment with, with James. If we like take a step back, you know, like what he said about the Jetsons or, you know, if you, if you were into like Japanese animation or like any kind of like cyberpunk stuff like that world is ha- is now right we have self-driving cars we have the fitbits we have vr we have all this great stuff but i think uh you know the way we can you know avoid from that turning into this you know dystopian orwellian kind of future is to figure out how we can secure it right is, it. is is you know businesses uh, who are getting the wonderful benefits of all this new IoT and sensor data need to not be putting themselves at risk by doing so, right? That's how we're going to really move things forward, and that's that's why we're really excited at Cenario about uh, about the future too, you know, because so it's possible, you know, we can do it. We, we can well, let, let me it. ask you guys, where does that begin though? Because James, maybe you can jump in here with your background too, but. We've done software security evangelism for most of my IT security career, I have anyway, right? In one form or another, whether it's helping people buy the right tools, implement the right programs, actually going out and testing apps, whatever. And it's been, uh, let's just say, challenging because (laughs) the OWASP Top 10 is still the OWASP Top 10. uh, Same verse, new verse, same as the first. Now yeah. we've got IoT, right? So this is this kind of reminds me of that quote. And I could have written more, but I didn't have, or I couldn't written, I could have written less, but I didn't have time. Apply this to the infosec world. I could have made it more secure, but I didn't have time. Right. I, the, the idea is speed to market, not necessarily safety or security. So please tell me the answer isn't having an antivirus or anti malware or personal firewall client installed on uh, my Fitbit. No, I, I actually, Ref, I think it's for a home user, it's actually pretty simple. I, I, can, I call it washing my hands. Most yeah. home users are terrible about setting default passwords, setting default passwords on their routers, or leaving them as what came out of the box, right? Um, yeah, clicking I can't on phishing the manufacturer for that because if you don't force the user right. to set a new password when you set something up, or at least generate a new one, tape it to the bottom of the damn thing. Right. Yeah, I, I don't disagree that manufacturers play a role in that. Yeah. However, every restaurant you eat at is not necessarily as clean as the last one. So you yeah. wash your hands, right? Yeah. It's yeah. hygiene. Learn to live in the digital world. Take these five or ten basic steps that everybody already knows. Like you said, these are pounded into the ground from 1971, right? Yeah. This is yeah. old school. Yeah. Why are we not doing that? Yeah. Yep. Mirai would have been avoided if those passwords had been changed. Yeah. Yep. That's simple. Right. Yes, Stephen. I, I, you've got a given your background. You've got a. Do you have? There's got to be a, a, a. Maybe I'm just trying to find a unique perspective on this that we haven't seen before. <laughs> because the answer, the answer can. I mean, maybe it is. But if it is, it's depressing. Do more of the same that we did before, but just apply it to I/O. Because is IoT fundamentally that different? I think it could be. And tell me, yes or no? Because of the major factor that of the scale of the device, right? You just, you can't, it, it's a lot, the scale and purpose, I think, is what makes it different. Yeah, yeah I think you're 100% right. And I think, you know, obviously I 100% agree, 110% agree with Jameson that, I'll, you know, most of these threats can be mitigated with basic hygiene, right? But for some reason, um, industry hasn't figured this out yet. Um, and, it, and it may... It may just be an awareness thing. It also might be business drivers. Like we see a lot of IoT devices that are what we would call rush to market. You know, like the way it's developed is piecemeal. They'll get like a you know uh, a, a body shop in South America or, or Asia to design the hardware, uh, and then they'll do the software at another shop, and then they kind of piece it all together and get it onto the market. So 
in those little gaps, you know, are where the security vulnerabilities live. Um, whereas if you were to compare that to its closest analog, which is mobile, which is basically an embedded device, you have um, there's a economic incentive. There's a business driver to secure it. And most of that is, for example, with the iPhone and Android is uh, the app stores, right? Those are monetized platforms. So they need to protect the money, right? So that's that was really the only driver for securing mobile is the monetized platform that's set on top of it. With IoT, you don't necessarily have that. Like the sensors in the field, you know, they're not processing credit card data. They're not, um, they're, they're maybe not doing, so, so there's this there's this awareness thing that's mostly, I think, pushed um, in industry by that, um, by there not being a, a big driver. That said, there are some industries where it is really important. Um, MedTech, for example, we just recently saw with the St. Jude thing, uh, and muddy waters uh, debacle, um, where a researcher, uh, a research group, found vulnerabilities in a, a pacemaker, and um, vulnerabilities that could effectively kill someone. And then, that, and then when they released the information, Shane Jude, you know, obviously reacted. Oh, the vulnerabilities don't exist, and they went through all the five stages of grief and stuff. Um, and 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 so it's going to be things like that. I think that it will collectively raise awareness. It'll be these large breaches. It'll be these massive adware campaigns, like Jameson mentioned, with the smart TVs. These things are going to raise awareness and get to the point where people are just going to say, "We need some basic hygiene, right? We need to we need to do some cleanup." Um, and one of the things we're really excited about um, is um, is is the ability to also kind of uh, introduce new products. What what we think is going to happen is that the industry is going to realize, and this is back to your question, that um, these devices are so uh, heterogeneous, right? Their operating systems are different. Their um, their hardware is different. So you can't have that silver bullet, like Jameson mentioned, with antivirus and install it on all your devices. It's just not going to work. Um, so what the industry is going to have to do, security industry, is provide new solutions for uh, for this kind of IoT security problem. It- is that, though, the driving point that we need? I mean, we've been talking, you know, Raph, we talked on, I think, the last podcast about antivirus. And, you know, there's lots of debate over antivirus being dead. There's other alternatives. I mean, is IoT, is IoT going to be that driver for those new alternatives since we can't put AV on IoT devices? Um, I th- and maybe, Jameson, you want to take that. I, I think there's a couple different approaches. Yeah, I would just say, do you mean... In this year or in the next five years? I mean, I would say it's not going to happen anytime soon, like over the next five years. But is that the driver we needed that now we've finally got to buy? I mean, we had it with mobile. I mean, there's not really, I mean, I guess you can get AV for your mobile device, but who runs it? Uh, <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, that was, I guess, the start of a driver. And it feels like we, we see the same trends happen over and over. I mean, we had software development. We had security issues. We had mobile development, same issues we saw with software development uh, on regular desktops, same issues. And then we started doing them, right? Things like communication, secure communication, uh, you know, storing default data, default passwords. And we've migrated out of that. Now we've got IoT. We're seeing the same things. I mean, it's a yep. pattern that that will get resolved, uh, you know, typically works itself out. I mean, it doesn't hit everybody, but... I mean, we see you don't see very commonly anymore mobile applications that aren't using the secure communication anymore, right? And you're actually seeing Apple and uh, Android and that type of stuff actually starting to force using that, although Apple delayed their rollout of that requirement. But, you know, we're starting to see those changes. I mean, is it just that IoT being new, we just it, it just hasn't caught up yet. I mean, this seems like a typical pattern that we see with every new thing that comes out. I believe part of it is enterprise has their head in the sand about it. Um, people in the ICS world that, that run, you know, industrial controls for dams or power plants, they know what they have. Some people in the IoT world who have retail, uh, they know way of point of sale systems, but they don't think of them as IoT, right? Like it's a, it's just a device you take credit cards on, or they have scan guns. Uh, but every business in the world has things of this nature, or cameras, right, for their loading docks, sensors on their bays. All these things are becoming more connected, but they're not thinking about the fact that this is IoT. Anything that's not a computer with a person sitting at it is an IoT device. So your enterprise is loaded with them. Already is, right? And it's about to be way loaded with them. Uh, and, and I think I think the point about antivirus is true. We have to we have this very regimented, dogmatic approach to security with our layers and our you know 
uh, addressing you know antivirus layer, sandboxing layer, IDS layer. The IoT is not, is not applicable to most of that. So I think we have to just take a step back and remember what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it, right? And we have to start with visual with visibility. What's out there? What's it doing? How's it normally act? We can't try to manage devices one on one anymore. The internet's yeah. not what it was in '71, right? Like it's. Yeah. <laughs> so I think also too what, what just not to interrupt you, but just to piggyback on what Jameson said. What what I think uh, we'll we'll see starting to happen more is that security. Um, it, you know, one of the points you made earlier was uh, you know security has been kind of pretty much preaching the same things over and over again for the last 10 to 15 years, whether it's software security or operational security. I think the next wave and next generation of security products, um, not just IoT security products, but just in general, are realizing that they're going to have to provide some additional value to the enterprise. So not just security as a value proposition, but some other maybe operational value or maybe some analytics or data value, something else. And I think that um, you know, there, there are a lot of companies that are kind of starting to do that. I think like dual security is a perfect example with the two, two-factor authentication company. Predominantly security thing, but they also give other things like user usage metrics and things like that. You know, um, encryption suites, they protect the conversation, but they also give you authentication. And some, so there's a lot of that stuff that is kind of changing. It's less about this old world kind of antivirus model where that's all you do. I think... Um, I think the, the next generation of security companies are going to be doing a little bit of that as well, some additional value. So, guys, so, hold on. What's, where's the solution going here? Because we've, 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 we've identified the hell out of this problem uh, in the last uh, half hour or so here. Um, these devices, I, I'm not necessarily convinced, guys, that this isn't to throw a, you know, a wrench in your cogs here, but... I'm not necessarily convinced that there's this that, that enterprises at least all of them have the head in the sand approach. Granted, a, a large large chunk still do, but um, what is what's the new approach that's going to fix this? That's because I can't really. Maybe it's just my limited thought here, but I, boy, you know, I I'm, I'm struggling with. What is what will solve this better than fixing software at the core of the time that we write it? Software security. It's all back to software security, is it not? I think that's a component, Raph. I, I think there's a, a manufacturing supply chain problem. There's a software security problem. Uh, and then there's a network implementation problem. We, we hit it right on the head a little bit ago when you said, yeah, VLANs are a security major, right? right? The, uh, uh, there's a, some perceptions about NAT and VLANs and other things that Somehow they're, they make it more secure or, or this sensor is just a sensor. I don't need to really secure it or worry about it. I'll just leave it out here. Yeah. Uh, right. It's, it's really awareness is the first thing we need to do. We're, we're vastly yeah. unaware of what's on our network and what it's doing already. We need to become in the IOT world, less control, more visibility and awareness because you yeah. can't control the devices. There's too many, too much, too fast change. Yeah. That's my yeah, first I recommendation. Yeah, I think um, I think it's definitely all those things that you mentioned are root cause, like the software supply chain, all that stuff. And 100% agree with Jameson on the visibility piece. Um, I think also um, uh, there might be some degree of, um, uh, especially as it relates to IoT, kind of legislation or safety controls that are going to, as industry starts to figure out, like you know. Oh wait, the threat model for like uh you know if you go back to the medical thing, the threat you know the threat model for a uh, defibrillator or a, a pacemaker is different than an ATM because someone can literally die, but the technology stack is very similar. Then th then there's a realization oh well with that threat we need to maybe have some basic controls in place, and we we saw that with the with the payment industries for example like PCI was basically a bar, you know, setting the bar at a certain level um, of basic protections. I think we'll see the same thing with IoT as it relates to healthcare. I think we'll see the same thing with IoT as it relates to um, critical infrastructure um, and, and SCADA and industrial control. And all these things, I think, will start to, to, to be um, not regulated, but um, at least strong recommendations. And that in itself will be a push. 
And then there's another, you know, maybe there's even some insur- uh, insurance burdens too, right? Where insurance companies will say, well, unless you have the following security controls in place for your healthcare installation, we have to increase your premium, for example. So that also might be a driver, right? So that the awareness plus these other things, I think, is going to really change the landscape. All right. So, so I see this as three separate fields of battle, three, three separate uh, places to address. In the enterprise, which is basically what we've been mostly dancing around here, is that's you just basically nailed this, the, 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 um, the large chunk of the solution, right? Software security, sourcing, and network implementation, those three things, you know, starting with awareness for those three things, we can get the enterprise part done. I think yeah. on the home user, <clears throat> excuse me, the end, purely end user consumer side, we simply have to either A, deal with the repercussions of not knowing better or B, force some kind of consumer-driven uh, protections that, that enforces enforces manufacturers to do things better because when we bought, you know, the when the twins were born, we bought one of those cool cameras that can monitor and, and you know, um, keep tabs on uh, uh, keep tabs on them. And I wanted to see, yeah. kind of watch them while I travel and then quickly realize about 30 seconds into setting it up that the app was probably written by somebody <laughs> who had just learned Java like 20 minutes ago and security wasn't even a word they understood. So yeah. uh, I quickly returned that and went straight back to the boring old stuff. But yeah, on the consumer side, I, I think that's that's a regulatory, almost like an FCC consumer you know, affairs yeah. type of thing. Totally, yep. But but I think there's a third, third section here, and that is the gray matter between those two. The devices... Yeah that end up going to work with you or the home device and I, you know this is the perfect example this is the iPhone that started all this that home device that consumer device that ends up also being used as a work tool yeah that's the part that yep. i'm trying to figure out how to how to make sense of yeah let, let's let, let me just jump one real quick one in there raf is a lot of these devices are actually the same ones the the components the pieces in the camera that you returned often are very this exact same components in the camera that's at work watching the parking lot, right? Yep. The, the operating system is sometimes even exactly the same one because the mm-hmm. camera is made by the consumer electronics division of the company that sold the enterprise, the one. Yep. yep. And the, the importance there is the exploits work the same. Yep. And that's not encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> And what's but, scarier is that they that that even though the components are the same, they're viewed differently in terms of security controls, right? Um, and and the threat model is drastically drastically different. You know, okay, so maybe I get to, you know, creep you out a little bit by watching your baby sleep at night. But if I know, for example, if that webcam is at a bank and it's pointed at the safes, maybe I get the combination to the safes. If it's at a even a gas station. And it's watching the teller. I get the teller's login to the point of sale system. Like the threat model is different when it's in the enterprise and it's being used by industry and business. What do you see as if there's because there's lots of hype right around IoT devices, and you take consumer side, right? People getting gifts for the holidays, yeah. you know, and typically on the news, you know, I mean, or maybe not even the news, but you know, you watch Twitter or feeds or whatever. You see IoT stuff, and when you see exploits for it, I mean, it's it's vastly different, right? But just about every one, it's like, oh, it's remotely exploitable, and then you find out that it's remotely exploitable, you know, if you're on the network or, yep. you know. And so, from all the stuff you guys test and, and the stuff that you see out there, I mean, with cameras aside, because obviously we throw those out external so we can get to those. How many of these home devices, you know, we've seen the things like the Barbie doll. We saw the, just recently, Ref mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the TV that the guy had ransomware on, uh, you know, yeah. which he went and downloaded the ransomware onto his TV. It wasn't like, yeah. I've got a TV and somebody planted it there. How much of although, it is although that truly... Does ha- although that does happen. But James how has much a great story about that. <laughs> is yeah. truly exploitable? What's my, what's my risk level there if my smart TV is connected? Because how many devices actually make themselves publicly available on your network versus they're calling out to web services and they need some sort of physical, like my NAS thermostat, right? I mean, sure, I can pluck it off the wall and plug something into it and own it. What's the reality there as far as what consumers should be thinking about when they're getting different things? 
Yeah, uh, wash your hands and lock your door. Right? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, make sure that your router is not a default password. You know, like I agree with Raf that, that people should help us with that, but make sure it's not a default password and don't do dumb stuff on your network. For the most yeah. part, it's pretty safe. I have a lot of devices on my network, and I go to a lot of bad places and pick up a lot of bad stuff. And, I, <laughs> and well, you're I, just kind I, of a bad guy there, so let's just let's just right. you know, leave that out. Yeah, I mean, I'm a researcher, right? So I so I do some stupid stuff. Um, and it's it's widely not that exploitable. An important thing to consider, though, is, is as uh, as since our crowd is technical, remember that the IoT is the cloud, and the cloud is the IoT. So all of that data is inconsequential on site. I want it to go to the cloud. So now when you ask me where the security model lies, my IoT stuff is not necessarily behind any firewalls or any other security. It can't be because my yeah. phone and other devices are moving in and out of those networks constantly. So yep. carrier malware has become a big thing now where I'm yep. launching attacks from one device to another device, right? Yep. So yep. I, I believe that's a home consumer reality. Uh, yep. And then the second one is, is, remember what they're targeting. There's a difference between, I'm being a nuisance, which is not malware I track that much. I'm more into ransomware uh, and things that are for profit, because those criminals are for real. Um, so when I look at the device, the Barbie dolls may be not as interesting to me as the TV or the yeah. Nest, right? Yep. Because I can, I can if, if your TV's locked, I can get you to pay me money for that. If the Barbie doll is dead, you probably won't, right? You probably won't pay for that. So, so that's the other consum home consumer pieces. Think about what the device is, yeah. right? Like, but what's yeah, your ability to what's your ability to do that from a realistic standpoint? I got a Barbie doll sitting in my house that's connected to my network that talks out to a, a web service. Well, here's uh, here's a really good case study. This is one that um, actually I'll give you two. Um, so in that uh, the interns thing that I told you about at the top of the show. Uh, where we had the interns buy a bunch of devices, they bought the most popular IoT home controller on Amazon, the one with the most ratings, uh, the, the you know the the one that was most purchased, the one that's highly recommended from the Amazon service. They bought that thing within three days. They had compromised it, so they popped open the device, they extracted the firmware, they looked at the file system. And the number one vulnerability, say they found a few local vulnerabilities, right? Things where you had to be on the local network to compromise the device. But the number one vulnerability they found, and we actually have a whole blog post about this, was that the encryption keys that were used by the device um, for uh, logging into the home, into its backend infrastructure, um, they did it wrong, right? So they should have just had some like key exchange or a public key. They put the public and private key into the firmware. And so that firmware image goes to every device like it on the Internet. And the interns were actually able to see not only the public key but the private key. And using the private key could access the manufacturer's backend from their laptop, not even through the device anymore. Just copy the keys off, access the backend, and then write to data in the backend from their laptops. So... Pause, zooming out, what they're effectively able to do is buy one device, extract the firmware, extract the encryption keys, and then through the manufacturer's back end, infect every other device like it on the Internet. Well, right? isn't this – that's ridiculous. <laughs> so, so isn't this like that um, – was it the home alarm, right, that had the uh, – cell, the cell, was Simply Safe? Is that who it was? Yeah. That had yeah, um, was, burned in – Yeah. Yeah, that yep, burned in the uh, encryption keys – into the firmware, somebody extracted them and is like, well, yeah. I know how to compromise all of them now. Yeah, and, you know, I'll give you an example, sanitize it. Uh, we did uh, some services work for a, I can just, a media company. They make a, a home media device. That's all I can say. Um, but when we did that, it was funny. We, we, we did all our research over three and a half weeks. We completely owned the device. And then we were doing the readout, and the readout had 25 stakeholders from various parts of the business on this big conference call. They had some guys um, at their overseas uh, office, the guys who did the program manager who subcontracted out the work, a few guys from the subcontractors, a couple guys higher up the chain, um, and a couple of different business guys. So everyone's on the call, and we do our readout. And at the end of the readout, I said, well, you know, the good thing is is that these vulnerabilities are – 
fixable, and it's good that you sent us just a development model. And there was this pause, and I heard the line go mute, and then the program manager came back on and said, um, actually, we've already gone to production, and this is already in 350,000 homes. And the vulnerability that we found in that device was we found the login credentials. They were using SFTP, Secure FTP, but they, they actually embedded the username and password in the firmware. And when we logged into the back end, we found that user account also had write access. And the account was actually, it was using cron jobs, it was just Linux, embedded Linux, using cron jobs to download the firmware updates. And we were like, well, wait a minute, this account has read-write access to that SFTP server. All if right, we wanted to... That's it. We're done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call 2017 over early. <laughs> right? On, and this look. is like... 2002 call. They want their time. architecture vulnerabilities back. It's so bad, man. It's so bad. And I mean, we saw this so much in the services world. And obviously, like these are just a couple examples I'm plucking off the top of my head. Literally, every engagement was something like, "Are you kidding? Like it's the same mistakes we were making in, like you just said, 1999, 2000, 2001 on PCs, and that we got smart about." But now we're embedding them in, like, really dangerous places. We're putting them in industrial controllers. We're putting them in webcams. It's really scary, man. It's really scary. Well, you, well, you, you said we got smart about but I'm, I may be – I may want to challenge that. But, uh, <laughs> Jameson, I think you, you said earlier – I didn't want to stop you because you were on a roll. But you said something that kind of uh, – I hate to say it, but kind of annoys me a little bit about the way some of, the, some of us in security think is you said don't do anything stupid on your home network. Um, I promise you my mom, my parents who have tons of IOT stuff, I'm sure on their network by now at home have no idea what that bar is, where that don't do something stupid bar is. Uh, I would say my, my don't do something stupid is basically don't open email from anybody you don't know. No Mm -hmm. prince from Zaire is sending you a million dollars. Right. Like I realize that the people fall for phishing scams. I've clicked on phishing emails before, right? Like yes, we all have. Good. Right? Yeah, we gotta, yeah, good. We, we got to get over the shaming. Yeah. What we have to do is get onto the education, right? Happens. Security profile. I've clicked on them by on purpose too, but <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> but you know, so so that's one. Just be suspicious of the internet. Yeah. Just suspicious, yeah. right? You don't yeah. have to be afraid. But yeah. when you you know when you get that news article that seems like boy. Is it true that, you know, so-and-so is posing for whatever magazine? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's probably yeah. not true. Right? Don't click on it. Yeah. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Right? This yeah. is the, the, our parents' generation. My mother understood it as soon as I framed it to her in the idea that you got mail every day that you didn't open. Right? You still yeah. do. In your mailbox. And she goes, you have tons of it. i like, do you believe yeah. everything it says? She said, no. Oh. I, yeah. It's the same. Yeah. Right? It, totally. Yeah. Her, whole, her whole internet view changed. That's what I mean by don't do something stupid. Understand yeah. the metaphor and, and, yep. and, right? and be, be cautious. Yep. Yep. Yeah, if you're able to access your webcam from your mobile device and your webcam is at home behind your firewall and your home router, someone else could potentially do that. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you're watching your kids from work, so but somebody else probably is too. That's, right. that's a, or, as a, as a new parent, that scares the crap yeah. out of me. That actually genuinely concerns me for safety purposes. Yeah. And then from the enterprise, the same deal, right? Like all the, that new fleet of webcams that you've installed, you know, if it's not CCTV, if it's not locally uh, installed, if you're accessing them through the internet or from outside the corporate network, chances are you can, uh, you can, you you, you know, someone else could potentially do that. And then one of the one, one of the things I wanted to add earlier, really quickly, if you don't mind, was, um, you know, uh, you're talking about, well, what about local attacks on these devices on the same network? What we're also seeing with devices is not just network-borne attacks, but remember, these devices also have a lot of, like, you know, peripheral radios. So they're like, you know, maybe if it's a sensor, for example, it might be doing Bluetooth or... Uh, backholing some weird serial protocol or something over a wireless connection. Those infection vectors could get an attacker on the local network. For example, if you have like, imagine you have a device that uh, accepts uh, Bluetooth connections and it also is sitting behind your firewall in your local network. What prevents a guy from driving his car to sit in your parking lot, pairing his laptop with that device, and then using that to get behind your corporate firewall? right through that device. And so these are the other things that really 
you know that 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 IoT has kind of changed the game on too is it's changed the way the security threat model looks. And I like this. Jameson has this. I, I don't know if I'm going to give it the right to uh, give it justice, but Jameson says there there is no there is no um, walled garden anymore. IoT has changed that, right? There's no perimeter. Yeah, there's no perimeter. Yep. Well, okay. So, guys, if you're all right, let's ask this question from this perspective. Then, you're an enterprise listener, and they're going, "Yeah, but okay, my my company I know is about to start in you know on this project of doing this this stuff, and it smells and sounds like IoT." All right, what what questions can they ask? What's the how do you know whether the kind of stuff you're putting in uh, is a is a huge risk to you or not? Besides the obvious, yes, it connects to the internet. I mean, like, let's face it, most of it's going to want to connect to the internet, and it's going to want open ports, and it's going to want unrestricted whatever, right? So, how do we? What questions can people ask, um, or what things should they be looking for? What's the hallmark of of good versus terrible? Well, I think you just you just summed it up right there, Raf. Is is what is this device for? What does it do, and what does it communicate on? So, those are the ports I allow it to do anything beyond this network on. Lots of times. The devices have other services running they don't need, and we've already covered that. Uh, but, but as a network administrator, as a security person, I can say, you know, these, this group of sensors is, let's just say they're on our assembly line, right? Uh, and this is our brand new factory we're building. They only need to communicate out via HTTPS, because that's how they update or, or do their automation to their automation platform. Great, I'm gonna allow communication to those list of IPs on this protocol, that's all. I still have to provide local security for them, because horizontal infection is real, Carriers, right? We've talked about all that, but but I think that's the first measure is to understand the devices, right? We, yeah. We, you know, we can't know them all, so you need tools to help you uh, uh, listen to the device's behavior and understand what it does and yeah. uh, and that sort of stuff. But that that's if we're going to apply controls to them, we have to apply yes controls, right? Yeah. What are the yeah. what's the business function? And then we also have to apply our our physical hat. And, and in cybersecurity, lots I have that background, but not everybody does. Yeah. Like what Stephen was talking about, is this camera pointed at something that matters? Yeah. Is it right? Is it monitoring a door or can it see someone typing? Yeah. Those are things we just have to think about. Right. Sure. Those those have to be thought of the part of the process. Yep. If this if this sensor fails, what does it affect? Yep. Right. We just have to know. Just like a hospital, they have backup routines to say yep. if the automatic heart defibrillator fails, we go to blah. They've yep. always had them, and it had, didn't have to do with cybersecurity. It had to do with real world application. What yeah, if the risk. batteries are dead? Risk. Yep. Yep. And so I think, I think Raph, it ties right back to your concept of understanding risk mm-hmm. around, around the IoT oh, and wow. its impact, right? Its real impact. Yep. All right. Well, then, you know, given the fact that we're, we're about out of time here, I, I wanted to add, tie off on this, uh, this one subject here. Let's, let's drop the anchor here. But um, w- there, there is a lot of headlines about police and various governmental agencies are starting to think about, hey, can they gather evidence from smart home devices? There's a you know there's this thing about uh, Amazon. There's a recent story about Amazon's Alexa being the target of a uh, of a warrant, I believe, for in a murder trial. Um, guys, this is not good. Given uh, <laughs> if 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 Alexa's monitoring the curse words per minute, I'm going to get my license to. <laughs> <laughs> to be a parent revoked because uh, I, I, you know, g- graciously when they're asleep, but we do curse a lot in my house. We're like pirates. Um, but, you know, what, what's the, uh, what, what, what's the net here? Are these things going to, are, are these devices in our homes now going to be used against us? I mean, I, I don't, where does this go in like, how can we, how can we finish this off in three minutes? But where does this go? I think the opposite is used against this, Raf. I have 14 microphones in my house that are not Alexa, and I have two Echo Dots. Yeah. So these these mics are in my monitors, my phones, laptops, my PS4, right? Like these things all have microphones in them. So yeah. we're, we're surrounded by that all the time. The fact already. that they want to the, already the fact yeah. that they want to draw that data via subpoena makes me happy. <laughs> if there's a murder trial in my house, I want them to do that. Yeah. Right. This is use of IoT and that information for good through normal channels. Yeah. It, it's the non-normal channels that scare me. Yeah. Right? Yep. If, we, if we go through a warrant and a process and all that, th- that's yeah. what America is built around. It's, it's yep. information to help me solve a crime or a problem or whatever. 
Yep. It's when we use that information and I didn't know you were listening or didn't yeah. know you could use that data. Now we're into 1984, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I just uh, piggyback on J what Jameson said. There's a new technology called Silver Push, for example, that's like using audio beacons in malls and embedded in commercials, and it's outside of the human auditory range. Yep, I heard um, that. And, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that stuff, like Jameson said, is already around us. Um, we even had, uh, we do a lot of these trainings that I mentioned before. We've had uh, forensics investigators from uh, various agencies join. One even shared uh, it overseas, and one of our last trainings shared a story where they actually solved the murder case by pulling um, the uh, manufacturer of a washing machine. They pulled the firmware out of that thing. It was keeping a log of like how much water it used, how long it was on, just for its own like internal metrics, um, like counters and stuff like that. And they were able to use that to determine that someone had washed, was home and had washed clothes at some critical time in the night or something, and they got a conviction out of it. So that stuff has already been happening. I, it's it's like what Jameson said. It's that you know who else, who outside of the normal lawful uh, channels are actually accessing that data? How are private companies maybe using that data? That that's the kind of stuff that I think we need more controls around, and that's where security is going to be key. Well, that's a that's a good good place to uh, to leave this, guys. Um, at fascinating fascinating discussion, fascinating recording. I can't wait to publish this. Uh, I, I was hoping that we'd leave this with a little bit of hope. Uh, I think, I think we did. Um, we've got, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I tend to, 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 to write stuff down as we talk, and you know, uh, this, this, you guys frame this in three, three ways, right? It's a three-act play: software security, sourcing, and, and configuration installation. It, that isn't necessarily new for IoT. It's been the same, like I said. New verse, same as the first, right? It's it's yep. it's, it's the early two thousands, late nineties, software yep. security, operating system security, all coming back again, because this I don't I don't think this is a completely new thing. It's a it's a twist, agreed. Yeah, but it's not completely new. So, yeah, looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say a year from now when this is uh when this <laughs> you know goes into another gear. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having us, Ref. Yeah, we're really excited about 2017, and it was it was great to talk to you guys. Cool. Well, thanks. Hey, folks, thanks for listening. James, uh, you've been scary quiet, but uh, taking you know, it all in, Raph. Taking it all in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I love I love conversations like this. Is gosh, you know, having having smart people on to have focus on some of these things. I, I alluded to earlier. This conversation probably could have gone on for hours and hours and hours, but I suspect to the uh, ear of the listener, we should probably cut this off and. Let them go back to their daily lives. But, hey, folks, thanks for listening. Um, as I've uh, said before, uh, we're back for 2017, and we're racing to 250. We'll do something cool for that. And uh, in the meantime, if you get a chance, uh, you know, leave us a, an iTunes rating, uh, hashtag DTSR on Twitter to chat with us and kind of uh, tag comments and questions. And, hey, Jameson and uh, Steven, you guys, uh, what's your uh, Twitter handle so people can get a hold of you? Mine's just Jameson underscore Utter. Um, I'm at S7, E-P-H-E-N. So Stephen, but the T is a 7. Uh, and then our company is at, uh, at Excipiter, X-I-P-I-T-E-R-Sec. And then you can, uh, if, if you didn't catch that, you can go to senr.io or iot.security and then find our Twitter link from there. Sweet. Good to have you guys aboard, and uh, if you do publish stuff or if you've got any other links before we you know, put this out, out out there to the world, do let us know. Uh, I will publish them in these show notes. And watch that DTSR hashtag. Uh, people tend to leave us comments and interact. So, all right, let's leave it there. <clears throat> Folks, thanks for listening. We will catch you on another episode of the Downski Rabbit Hole podcast. For now, for James, Michael, and myself, this is Raph signing off. We'll see you another time, another place. Cheerios. We'll see you later. Bye. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. 
please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Our website is whiterabbit.net, W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T.net. So on behalf of Rafal, James, Michael, and our guests, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.